Welcome into the Harvest, friends. This is our bi-weekly show where we talk about issues and topics that help you be a disciple and make disciples in the everyday places of life. Our passion is to learn how to live the ancient faith in modern times. My name is Andrew Stroud, and I'm joined by my teammates today. I've got Lakeith Jones here with me and also Abigail Wilson joining us from San Antonio, Texas. Good to have you guys today. Hey. Thanks. Thanks. Feels good to be here. It was really good. Yeah. It's hot yeah. out here. Well, we're recording the day after Easter, and uh, that's always an exciting time because um, Easter really is what makes our faith relevant today, that Jesus is alive. Um, he told us to make disciples to the end of the age. The end of the age hasn't <laughs> happened yet. So um, the things that we're going to talk about today have relevance because... Jesus is alive today, and we're, we're following him, and we're helping others follow him. So we've got a great show today, so let's jump right into it. Okay, our listener question this week comes from Josh Parr, and he asks, where is the line between rebuking our brother, Matthew 18, and not getting entangled in the affairs of everyday life, which 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4 talks about? When do we move towards rebuke, and when should we avoid being entangled? As soldiers of Jesus Christ focused on making disciples, how do we discern when to step in and when to not get entangled? Oh, man. Keith, you want to? <laughs> yeah, I'll take a stab, Josh. That is a loaded question, uh, but that's why we get questions. We love it. So keep them coming. Um, I uh, was thinking about maybe just follow the guideline, stick to the script, but make mistakes. You know, there's so many examples in scriptures of... Um, rebuking and uh, also not getting entangled in civilian affairs or, you know, worldly affairs. The first example I thought of was Peter and John uh, and John, the end of John, how Peter was worried about John. And I know John wasn't that far away. So he probably heard when, when Peter asked Jesus about him, like, Hey, well, what about this guy? You know, and this response was, uh, yeah, you go follow me. And then later, of course, Peter getting called out by Paul. Uh, that was one where he just straight up to his face, just let him have it. But it was necessary because there was a whole group of people that were going to be uh, in trouble if he didn't do that. But I think the best example was probably uh, Apollos and uh, Priscilla and Aquila. They took him to the side and uh, explained to him a more perfect way to understand the gospel. They, they could have did that publicly, but they chose not to. So uh, I think just sticking to the script, like there's so many people that have gone before us that had to deal with this. But just being okay with making mistakes. I don't think there was a perfect example of rebuking and not getting entangled because uh, it is a delicate line. Hmm. Yeah, Abigail, what about you? Yeah, um, I don't know if you guys have met me before. I'm super opinionated. <laughs> and uh, um, I uh, have learned this lesson through uh, tears and sweat, let me tell you. So let me just tell you what I've learned about discipleship. Um, I, If you are also opinionated, then this is for you. Um, so you see, you know, your disciple or just someone, you know, your brother and sister in Christ, and you're like, man, they've really got it wrong. That is a hot mess over there. Let me intervene. I'm coming for them. With, I'm going to drop some wisdom bombs. Um, if you feel super confident, and this is like what I do, by the way, I don't, you can take this or leave it. But if I feel super confident and I just can hardly wait to bring my rebuke, then I 100% know that I should not. Now, if I am begging God, please send somebody else, 
I don't want to talk to them. Please don't make me tell them this. This is going to hurt their feelings. I feel so terrible. And I'm just begging God to not make me rebuke my sister. Um, then, then I know it's from the Lord and I've probably prayed about it way more and I care way more and I bring so much more love to the table. Um, and yeah, I will admit that the, the former happens more often than the latter. <laughs> and also I married a shepherd who constantly reminds me that I am maybe being nitpicky and that these are things that are not important. And I just have to remember first Corinthians 13, that if I can have all knowledge and all wisdom, and if I do not have love, then it is really nothing. Hmm. So um, I would say like the nitpicky stuff will probably be taken care of over time. If we are just coming in love and like Keith said, really majoring on the majors um, and then I really do always kind of go by my attitude going in. If I'm just like, can hardly wait to bring the rebuke, then um, I shouldn't do it. So anyway, Andrew, I'm sure you have something great to say. <laughs> no, I, I really, I think that's a great, um, it almost reminds me of parenting. You know, they, they say you should never discipline when you're emotional, when, when you're angry, you should never discipline out, out of anger. So um, I do think that, you know, just assessing your own spirit and trying to discern, mm -hmm. If you're excited about delivering this uh, <laughs> truth bomb yeah. or, or not, <laughs> it's really it. important. And then, you know, there, there are issues. Something you mentioned, Abigail, is, you know, is it something that may be a, a genuine issue, but just isn't necessarily worth addressing at this time? Maybe it's a, a smaller issue that um, it doesn't need to be um, dealt with in, in an extreme fashion. Um, I've always thought that... Um, you know, with, with offense and uh, rebuke, there are there are a couple directions you can take. One is that you can address it, and you should usually address it not just for how it affects you, but for the well-being of the person that that you're rebuking or that you're confronting. Um, and so sometimes you should you, you can just overlook an offense. So sometimes someone has has done something. And, you know, love covers a multitude of sins. And so sometimes you just choose to, well, you know, I understand where that person was at and um, it's not really worth addressing. But um, when I was thinking about Josh's question, um, I guess in my mind, it kind of went a, a different direction in the sense that, you know, there's rebuking, which which we're doing with other believers um, typically. And then there's, there's becoming entangled in, in, I would say, debates. It's not necessarily rebuking. Yeah, to me, when I think yeah. of uh, becoming entangled in Second Timothy 2, and I think maybe that's what Josh was asking, that um, we might have different views of Scripture, for instance. Um, and we could spend a lot of time debating versus rebuking. Mm -hmm. And so I was thinking about uh, a little bit later in that Second Timothy passage, um, he goes on to tell, Paul goes on to tell Timothy, to ref refuse foolish and ignorant speculations, knowing that they produce quarrels. And the Lord's bondservant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to all, able to teach, patient with, when wronged, with gentleness correcting those who are in opposition, if perhaps God may grant them repentance leading to the knowledge of truth. Um, so I do think that um, that's kind of where my mind went, that sometimes we can get into... Um, debates uh, about foolish speculations. And there's actually a cross-reference out of Titus. Um, in Titus 3.9, he 
Paul tells Titus, to avoid foolish controversies and genealogies and strife and disputes about the law, for they are unprofitable and worthless. And so I think what you were saying, Abigail, is great because it's kind of an internal filter, like, hey, why am I talking about this? Yeah. And I think the external filter can be, hey, is this going to profit anybody? Is this worth discussing? Right. Or is this yeah. just so, something that's interesting, um, but it's not necessarily going to move this person towards maturity and their faith? It's not going to move the kingdom forward. Um, mm. So those are the kind of entanglements that I think we can often find ourselves getting into as um, as followers of Christ, just because the, the topic's interesting doesn't mean that it's really profitable. So that's kind of how I kind of looked at it. In Ephesians 4, it says, let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification, uh, according to the need of the moment, that it may give grace to those who hear. So is this word going to build up? Is it really needed in this moment? That's kind of where my mind was going. But I, I don't know if that makes sense to you guys or if, if you've got something to add to it. Yeah, oh, that's good. It reminds me. Go ahead, Abby. Yeah, and it question. reminds me of that, like, uh, that meme. It was, like, went around on Facebook, and it was, like, you know, never have has anyone ever changed their opinion by something that they read on Facebook ever. And <laughs> I think that's kind of, <laughs> that's another way of, like, is this really going to, is this person's opinion going to change? Am I going to really lead them into a way of righteousness by having this debate with them? Um, and usually not. So I, that's a really great, um, great filter to put things through. I like that, Andrew. Yeah. Yeah. We appreciate that question, Josh. And if you have a question that you would like us to address, um, chances are other people are wondering the same thing. So send it to us. You can email us at info at into the harvest.org. We'd love to hear from you as part of our listening community. And we love to address issues that are relevant to what you're facing as you live and share your faith. So send those questions to us. We'd love to feature them on the show. Okay, our main topic today, and this is hard to believe, guys, but we are basically one year removed from the real, I guess, crisis shutdown um, when coronavirus really started to affect our personal lives and definitely our local communities, our churches. And we each read an article um, this week by a lady named Chris Beckert, and it's in Missio Alliance. We'll have a link to it in the show notes um, if people want to check it out. And the article is titled, One Year Later, What Has the Church Learned? And so uh, we read that. We thought she had some really good points. She actually has nine points that, um, and, and she didn't come up with these on her own. She actually surveyed church leaders, and this was the, the, uh, the filtered version of nine major lessons that uh, the church leaders that she spoke with uh, suggested to her over the past year. We're going to focus on a couple of those points um, in our show today. And I want to start just by reading a little excerpt from her article at the beginning. She says that the past year has caused a historic shift, not only in the life of the church, but ministry in general, and perhaps an acceleration into the future 10 years ahead of time which I think both those things are really true. Like um, we've, we've had a historic shift in the way that we understand and live church, no question about it. And it's possible that we were heading this direction 
but we just jumped 10 years into the future. So that's, that's what she says at the beginning of her article. And then ask the question, so what have we learned? You know, what has this historic shift taught us? And have we moved into the future? I'd love to uh, chat about that with you guys. And we're going to try to come at this from our own personal experience. You know, what have we experienced as we live our faith, as we live as the church in our local areas? So we're going to focus on two of those nine points. And the first one is that discipleship reaps what it sows. So again, let me just read a quick excerpt from the article. She says, discipleship has often taken a back seat in the evangelical church. Many churches do not have a process to make or grow disciples. And many of the surprising things that emerged from the lips and actions of Christians over the past year um, highlight that Believers are being molded and shaped by popular opinion, friends, and the internet, rather than years of being rooted in the person of Jesus. And if there's anything this past year has shown the church, it is that we can no longer neglect discipling people. So the past year, one of the big lessons learned is uh, discipleship really matters. The fact that we're investing deeply in the lives of individual believers in the church really matters. And so, Abby, let me ask you, how have you seen discipleship put to the test in your own life over the past year and in the lives of those that you and Brett are discipling there in Texas? Yeah, you know, this is, I'm going to share a really humbling story. Uh, So first off, I noticed that in general, like the church, like big C, like traditional churches were really struggling at the beginning of COVID um, because there's like, you know, let's say a large church has a staff of pastors, but that's like, I don't know, half a dozen people or something. Um, Probably more. I don't know. I don't really know. Anyway, let's just say it's half a dozen people and they were trying to minister to their congregations. And I heard like crazy stories about them having to like just make phone calls like all day long to check in on everyone Hmm. and like um, really like just stretched thin um, emotionally speaking because there were just so many people in need um, and just wanting uh, help and connection and need and like interaction. Um, And it was a really hard time for them. And Hmm. me uh, coming from our little like house church background was like, well, we're going to handle it so much better because we're so focused on discipleship and um, personal and, you know, relationship. And there's no like pastor of our house church. Um, And so here's where I was sadly disappointed. (laughs) Um, We really, we really hit like a a minor crisis um, of, of feeling like everyone was coming to, to Brett and I with, with, well, we want it to church to look this way. Um, I'm struggling with this aspect of meeting in person or meeting online, or I'm struggling in this area because of quarantine, all the things, all the drama was really coming to our door. And I realized that, oh, you know, a rose by any other name is still a rose, right? Like hmm. we were, we, we were saying like that this was a very, like, there was no, um, like pastor of our church, we're all kind of all in this together. And yet right. in those moments of crisis, it was like, no, no, no you're in charge <laughs> and you need to like <laughs> fix this for us. Um, and so I think it really did change um, the way 
we started interacting um, with our church body and with our disciples, um, I started way more intentionally asking them to serve each other. Um, and so instead of me doing it, I really had to like say, would you uh, call so-and-so for me? Like, <laughs> and I, I, I think like part of it was like pride that I didn't want to have to tell someone. I wanted them to just do it on their own. Um, and I think that we just weren't to that point yet. And I just genuinely had to like eat some humble pie, like in all honesty, um, because I, what I thought we had was not quite what we had. And so COVID was really good because it taught us, it like showed us the, the like kinks in our armor, so to speak. So I'm really excited to hear what you guys say. Um, I hopefully you guys fared better. <laughs> well, I don't know, Key, what would you say? Oh man, Abby, I, uh, I gotta say, I, I agree with you a lot. I thought that was really cool. I, uh, I was relating to you on a different level right there as, as you were sharing. So uh, man, that's, in a crazy way, that's encouraging. But um, I think I wanted to, I sure. guess, try to attack it from a different angle. So uh, I think Good, uh, yeah. just the, the mindset in Acts chapter eight, you know, I think we talked about this when we first started the, doing the podcast again during the beginning of the pandemic, that after the church was persecuted, it led to a lot of hmm. growth, you know. Oh, but there had to be an adjustment period. So I think what I was thinking about was that the church is not no longer in Jerusalem. So in Acts chapter 8, when the church was persecuted, they spread all out. Uh, Jerusalem was no longer like the only hub where believers were at, you know. So uh, I think that's kind of where we were at with the pandemic, that the church, uh, the mindset of the church was no longer just, hey, at the building, like this is where we got to go, uh, which was cool. But it was challenging because, like you said, Abby, it looked a lot different. So I know for me, it was a lot more uh, FaceTimes and calls and texts and uh like actually like having to schedule these things out weekly because uh, there was just a lot coming in and a lot of different stuff happening. But uh, people were more isolated than I've seen people in a long time. So uh, it, it helped us see that, yeah, the church uh, was no longer in Jerusalem, but it was all around us. You know, people were on social media helping people out. People were, you know, calling and doing Zoom calls and, and trying to maintain that and adjust to everything that was going. So I think we just got to be... Uh, you know, more creative and figure out effective ways of growing despite the circumstance, kind of similar to that church in Acts, you know, the early church, how mm -hmm. they had to adjust to Jerusalem, not longer, you know, being the spot. So, yeah, we didn't, I don't think we fared uh, amazingly, Abby. So, uh, you know, take heart, <laughs> sister. Uh, <laughs> it well, was I mean, but, we all know 2020 was just like yeah. a real situation oh, for literally everyone. I have yet to talk to anyone who was like, boy, thriving <laughs> over here. Right. <laughs> if that's you, by the way, please write in. I want to interview Yeah, really. Please. Yeah, we're, we're definitely open for su suggestions and tips. Yeah. Yeah, my mind is racing in like four different directions right now. Um, we're not going to have time for me to chase down all of them. So, uh <laughs> But something that you said, or Abigail, or that you, you hinted at was that, you know, of course, we're not happy about a coronavirus and the past year and, and the circumstances that we're having to live through. But if there is a silver lining, I do think that it does expose, it does help us see, hey, this is where we are in terms of our discipleship and our disciple making. And it reminds me of a verse in Proverbs 24. I think it's Proverbs 24, 10, it says that if you are slack in a day of distress, your strength is limited. So your strength really isn't based, it, it isn't revealed by um, a, a time of ease. It's 
your, your strength is revealed in the day of distress. And I, for sure, the last year has been a day of distress for the church. <laughs> so, but that's, that's where your mm -hmm. strength really is mm -hmm. exposed. And that's a good thing because like you said, it shows where those chinks in the armor are things that we need to strengthen and improve. Um, yeah, for, for me personally, I think there were several lessons that I've been learning. Um, one is that I tend to be more focused on let's build, let's grow, let's move out in this direction. And uh, in the early months of, uh, of, of the shutdown, yeah, I was really challenged because you can't do that. Of course, we, we couldn't do any of those things. Um, and thankfully, like here, I've got a great uh, partner in ministry in Lakeith who's more of a shepherd. And, you know, shepherds, sometimes what the flock needs is they just need to be held together. And so I think in the early months, that was something that uh, the Holy Spirit really challenged me on is that there are times where even though I always want to build and grow, um, hey, there's there's sometimes where people just need to be held together and uh, we, we get through a crisis together. So um, God gave me Lakeith, <laughs> which I'm very grateful for because I think the sheep were already probably uh, not getting what they needed from me here locally. Um, but thankfully, there were some other shepherds who they could get it from. So, um, And I was slowly learning those lessons. I'd say um, a second big lesson that I've been learning uh, personally when it comes to um, discipleship is, um, is that it really does need to be people-centered. And I know that sounds like, of course, obviously, I mean, that's, yeah. <laughs> we always talk about out of the building and into the harvest, but I found in my own life, I still tend to think about events and activities. So even though um, we're, we don't have a traditional church building with our churches here in San Diego, we still did have regular times of gathering, kind of a weekly rhythm. <laughs> and when that got disrupted, um, it really put me on my back foot uh, for, for a while there, uh, longer than I would like to admit. And I think um, a, breakthrough, a breakthrough came when, again, the Holy Spirit, I think, emphasized to me that who are the people? Who are the people that you're responsible for? And are you praying for those people? Are you reaching out to those people? There's lots of ways that you can do that. But to, to think about ministry and discipling more, I know this is so obvious, but think about it in terms of the people, what do they need? And even if the events and the activities look much different, um, that's okay as long as the people are, are having those, those needs met. So those are some, some personal lessons that, that I've been learning. Yeah, it was, it was a rough time. That was yeah. good. That was <laughs> <Right>. really good. <laughs> right, Abby? I know. And I it, like you saying that like made me think of other stuff. So I, we may I have to do a part two on this one. <laughs> well, we know. would, <laughs> like you said, we'd love to hear from our listeners because all of us are going through this. Um, there's probably some yeah. things that you guys have learned and there's tons of ways to reach out to us. Um, leave a comment. If you're watching on YouTube, email us at info at into the harvest.org or drop a comment to us on Instagram or Facebook. But a second point that Chris mentions in her article is that we now have this tension between online church and in-person church. Whereas in the past, online church was sort of this, I don't know, um, fringe type thing, that, or maybe mega churches would broadcast. Um, and most churches probably did not have a strong online ministry. Now that's really not the case. Um, 
most churches probably have something that they're doing online that they weren't doing a year ago. And that's kind of created a new question, which is um, how much disciple making can you really do online? So can you really make a disciple if it's all virtual or do you still need to have some in-person connection in order for disciples to be made? So let me just throw that one out there, see which one of you guys wants to tackle it first. Yeah, I, I could take that one for sure. Uh, just because um, she she actually answers a question in the article, which I'm super grateful for, uh, because she was talking about it not being an exhaustive list and uh, how some of those things are still up in the air. But she summarized that part and said that we don't know for sure. Like, we're not sure. So uh, we're, we're all in this uncharted territory to where we get to, to learn and to grow and to trust God. And um, she quoted Matthew 28 saying that Jesus would never forsake us nor leave us. So that was very comforting because I do think that's true. Um, but I do remember a time when I was primarily just uh, intaking things online because uh, there was no flock or, or church or body around me. Uh, it was early in my walk when I was in Japan. And uh, I spent a lot of time on YouTube listening to messages and trying to follow uh you know, men of faith at that time, but just because I was hungry, you know, like I wanted something, I knew I needed something like, uh, there was still this hunger in me. But I think what that did was when I did find something that was more, uh, face to face and somebody who would teach me and guide me, I wanted to go all in because I knew what I was missing out on, you know? So I longed for this face to face type ministry. So it, it allowed me not to ever, uh, really take that for granted. But uh, Andrew, I think you've done a good job of setting the pace for men and women who've gone um, out of our local ministry and somewhere else. And uh, they don't stop being like a part of your flock. Like they don't, you know, if your children move out of your house one day, that doesn't mean you're not responsible anymore. You know, like they're, they're doing a lot more on their own, but you still have to, to call and to check on them and to let them know that you love them, even though you can't provide for them or uh, meet their needs as you used to. Uh, so uh, I think it's been cool to hmm. to try to do things more online, and I think we got a head start with Into the Harvest going a couple years early. Yeah. But I do think that we don't know. Like, can a disciple be fully made online? Can it grow in Christ virtually? I think it can grow, but can you fully make a disciple? I'm just not sure. To be honest. <laughs> oh man, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, aren't you glad you guys tuned in for that? Um, <laughs> So I, uh, I've been thinking just about like our tiny little case study of in our own local ministry. I think one thing that you just said, Keith, was definitely true in that by going on to Zoom, um, we actually were able to like have a lot of reunions with um, people we've discipled over the years that have been in our yeah. church and they've like got to tune in. And so it felt really special and cool. Um, just like all these kind of um, different times and seasons in our lives kind of all meshing together in one place and just introducing a bunch of people. It was like a reunion on Zoom, um, like a very tiny reunion, but it was it made it special there. Um, and it was cool to be able to then minister to those that really felt um, very isolated and um, doing um church with us on zoom was a little bit more personal than maybe just like tuning in to like the broadcast of their church. Cause maybe that was all that they had available. And so it was a little bit more personal and there's more like back and forth talking and our kind of church setting. So that was really special. Now I will say that with our local church, um, I think there's no clear answer except to say, and I, it's like a horrible response, but 
it just has to be the Holy Spirit, right? Mm -hmm. Like if you have to be um, on, on social media or like if you have to be distanced or on FaceTime or on Zoom, um, God can still use that. And he is using it all over the world. Like there's this incredible things going on on the internet and we know God is using it. That said, it is, I think you have to work like twice as hard, maybe three times as hard to have that like personal connection and the honesty that you need to have. Um, I found it so much harder to be able to like read the faces of our church because um, I didn't have like full body language. Like you can be like, how are you doing? And they're like, great. And you're like, are you? I don't know. You know, and if they're in your house, they're sitting across from me on the couch, you can like you can't keep up the facade as long, you know, like you start to know, like, man, you're not doing great. Are you okay? Like, um, and I think on zoom, you can hide behind, um, the face a little easier. Um, but that's all up to us, right? Like we can be honest, we can be open, um, in this forum. So I, I do think it has a lot to do with your own desire to, if you want to, if you have to, if you have to make it work, you can work twice as hard and it will, come through for you. Um, I, I think that there's just truly nothing like sitting across from someone, um, like a true live person. Uh, and I think as soon as we were able to have some people in our home, like it just it made it. Yeah. There's nothing truly like it. So, um, I think it will always be difficult to have that same, um, relationship and connection on zoom or on FaceTime or whatever. Yeah, well, what yeah. you're, what you're really touching on there, Abigail, it's actually not a new issue. Um, the church has always had this challenge between in-person mm-hmm. disciple making and um, disciple making from a distance. Well, yeah. So <laughs> Paul, obviously, a lot of the New Testament that Paul wrote, he he wrote from prison because he he could not be face to face in person yeah. with people. And so I, I don't think it's an either or on this. And that's not, I think, what she was saying. But, you know, her question is specifically, are these basically interchangeable? At least that's the way I see it, what she was posing there. Some people may just want to go all online going forward. And so I guess um, I'm going to go out on a limb. <laughs> Actually, I don't feel like this is too controversial and just say that no virtual church can never replace in-person church that doesn't mean that we shouldn't do it and take advantage paul wrote letters paul prayed paul Mm -hmm. sent uh people in his place when he couldn't personally go so we should take advantage of of every technology and every opportunity that we have to stay connected and to encourage each other in the faith but there is a limit to to what you can do in terms of making disciples if it's online, if it's virtual. There's a verse from First Thessalonians 3 that um, I think really captures this. Um, so Paul has spent time in Thessalonia with um, uh, the believers there, and but he didn't have as much time as he wanted. He had to leave before he was ready to, and he knew that they still needed uh, close uh, discipling. And so he talks about in the letter how he's been praying for them. He he sends Timothy several times to uh, to visit them and to encourage them, even though he himself cannot. Obviously, he writes this letter. So there's several things he's doing to try to encourage the church there in Thessalonica. But in verse 10 of 1 Thessalonians 3, he says, We pray most earnestly night and day that we may see you face to face 
and supply what is lacking in your faith. And so throughout it all, Paul's ultimate hope and prayer was that he could see them face to face. And only then did he seem to be confident that he could supply what was lacking in their faith. Um, so let's do everything that we can. Like you said, Abigail, sometimes you, you have to go virtual. Um, so mm-hmm. take advantage of that. But I don't think we should see these as equals. Um, I think we should always pray and hope and strive for uh, face-to-face ministry. But that's going to be a big one going forward. I think um, we've sort of opened Pandora's box and we'll see what happens. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. Check back in on it with us uh, <laughs> in another year. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, guys, this was a this was a fun article. It was pretty enlightening. Like I said, we'll have the uh, the link to it in the show notes here if you'd like to read it. I actually would like to have Chris on the show at some point. Maybe we could have her as a special guest and dig into this topic a little bit more. But um, like we said earlier, if you've got lessons that you've learned over the past year, we'd love to hear them. Steal your ideas for our uh, mm-hmm. local disciple-making, and uh, church life endeavors. So hit us up on that. All right, on this week's faith and culture segment of the show, we are going to dive into the question of who drives the story. Um, And what I mean by that is that I personally believe that propaganda and narratives in the culture are at an all-time high. And a lot of that has to do with how easy it is to get a message out. Um, in our day and age of technology and social media. But we're still called to live, like Paul tells us in Romans 12, as Christians, we're to avoid being conformed to the pattern of this world. We're supposed to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Um, So I would say that, that culture drives society and culture is driven by story. So the, the culture that we're all part of is being shaped by these stories that are out there, these narratives. And the question is, who's telling the story? Um, and so maybe just to kick things off, Abigail, I'll ask you to, to jump in on this first. But how do you see believers being more influenced by the story that our culture is telling than they are by God's truth in Scripture? Where do I begin? <laughs> it is running rampant. Um, I I don't know um, if this happens to you guys too. I, I feel like it probably does. It's happening to all of us. Um, people are very much um, being manipulated. By the way, me too. Like I'm not right. saying I'm just like special exactly. and have it. I'll figure it out. But um, being manipulated by their social media feeds um, particularly and then um, if you're maybe like an older generation, then maybe by which news channel you watch. Um, usually there's yep. one that you've picked and it's like your news channel. And that is like bringing in the feed of your current day. Um, and I think all of us um, are very easily swayed by this because it's so sensational, right? Like if you're scrolling through and there's a story that makes you cry, like it's going to impact you, right? Mm-hmm. And they're all written in a way that impact you because that's the business of it. I've actually not watched any of those documentaries that tell you how horrible social media is because I'm too scared to. <laughs> but from what I hear, <laughs> from what I hear, it's like truly scary. Um, yeah. Just the the algorithms are working over time. So I think the importance here is um, 
that if you start to get worked up in your little heart, your little mind, the anxiety really starts to kick in. Um, and so start asking yourselves the questions of where am I getting this information from? And um, is that a reliable source? Is it from multiple sides? Am I getting it from one side or just, you know, is another side think something totally different? Why do they think something totally different? Like, I think there are just so many questions that we should be asking ourselves. And then the real kicker is that we have to spend more time in the word than we do in all of those places. Um, and right. I think that that is something that I can really struggle hmm. with myself, you know, like, um, are those equal in my day of as all the input that I'm getting um, versus my time in the word? Because I am even seeing from um, the Christian leaders that I follow on social media or the articles that I read from like Christianity Today and like, you know, right. great places that I normally read from. There's we, there is a current cultural way of thinking, right? That's different right. from past generations. Like I'm not making this up. So yep. the only thing that can really be, I can really trust is, is the word of God. So I guess my, the bottom line that I just want to put out there is that I'm scared, like literally every day, like, am I being tricked into believing something? Like mm -hmm. what's happening? So I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't yeah. know you guys. It's I like this it's verse out of there. Romans 12 too, because you know, it says that we need to be renewed. Our, our mind needs to be renewed. And mm -hmm. otherwise, we're, uh, the way I would say, the way I would see this is that all of us are navigating the the stories that culture is, we're, we're swimming in the culture. Like culture is not something that's happening outside of us. We're all in the culture. Mm -hmm. And this culture is, is constantly pushing on us from different directions uh, by the stories and the, the the things that are being emphasized, the things that we're being called to to have a take on, to have an opinion on, to get worked up about. Uh, and only a renewed mind is able to navigate that. So it's not even so much that, hey, don't, don't listen to any of those stories. You can't yeah. you can't do that. You're right. you're in the culture, so you're gonna be coming up against these these stories, these narratives. But if you have a renewed mind, like you were saying, Abigail, if you're spending that time rooting yourself in scripture, now you can apply a renewed mind to these stories. And, and you can say, okay, I see what's be I see the story that's being told, but what does the Bible have to say about that? And sometimes not even directly, but just because my mind has been renewed by scripture and I'm thinking a certain way, I've got a certain perspective, let me apply that to this story that the culture is telling me. So, um, yeah, we can loop back to that. But Keith, what, what do you think about this? Where, where do you see us being shaped more by culture than scripture? Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's a great question. It's definitely convicting. But I think I see believers uh, either taking one or two approaches with social media. And like you, Abby, I'm, I'm guilty of one of them myself, you know. So uh, there's a verse in Matthew that says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So uh, what people talk about is what they care about, you know. So uh, you, you stroll through most of my social media. Um uh, hmm. Yeah, pretty quickly you'll see that it's more about me, my family, my work, what I'm doing versus what God is doing, you know. And uh, I do think that this is a tricky boundary because mm -hmm. there's some people out there that just, uh, I mean, just hammer it down. Like they just, they're just every post, everything you see as uh, something that's deep and spiritual. And you see that those people aren't being effective, you know. But truth be told, they are representing, like they're, they're getting it out there. So how do you uh, dance that line? I'm not sure that 
we as believers have uh, nailed that down. And I know one of your visions for Into the Harvest was to leverage technology. And uh, you just look around. I don't see too many believers like leveraging technology. I see the world like kicking butt in that area and us uh, still trucking, uh, trying to figure it out. But another thing I think that uh, I've been tempted to do myself is just social media is the devil. I'm getting away from it. Like I'm gone. Like <laughs> right, I don't want to be a right. voice no more. You guys could have it. And yeah. people have done that, you know, and that's, that's where, what do you think most of the people are, you know, like right. they're there, you know, so you have to figure out that balance. So uh, yeah. I definitely see believers not taking advantage of this new world that we have and being an effective witness and myself included, you know? Yeah. And you know, we can cut out, we could actually cut out social media. The the issue is still going to be there. The root issue yeah. because yeah. again, like you're in the I culture. Think, yeah. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's influencing the people around you. So even if you are like, you bow out yourself, yeah. right. you're going to still have conversations oh gosh, yes. on a daily basis oh, yes. about it. Right. And you're either going to not know what they're talking about or <laughs> yeah, yeah. you're like, oh yeah, I already saw that right, meme. Right. Well, let me just throw <laughs> out, mean, let me just throw out a couple, like just from the news headlines, probably this week. So uh, critical race theory. Um, that's something that many of our listeners have probably heard. And, um, you know, you're, you're going to be expected to have a take on that, or some people are going to want to know. And if you don't have a take, that's a take. Um, <laughs> Good point. Christian sure nationalism. Is. Yeah. Christian nationalism. Is that a thing? Um, can, if you voted for Trump, can you actually, it, what does that mean for you as an evangelical? Can you actually be a true Christian if you voted for Trump? Um, does that mean? Oh no, that, the other way too. Or though. the other way? Can you be a Can you be a true Christian if you voted for Biden? Yeah, the other way too. I think Christian nationalism Christian nationalism is primarily being um, kind of directed towards people who did vote for Trump. Like the, we're going to make the, we're going to take back the country through right. for Christian principles by electing yeah. certain people. But no, I agree totally that um, people can say it from the other side as well. Masks. Uh, mm. Should you get the vaccine? Um, so these are all highly um, volatile. Yeah. It almost goes back to our first question of becoming entangled. Um, and you're going to have these conversations. So I guess part of what I want to say is if those are the main things that you're thinking about and talking about, then that's evidence that you're being shaped more by culture than scripture. So it's not so much that you should never talk about these things or think about them, but if your if your mind and your emotions are just captivated, and like you said, if, yeah. if the social media feed is constantly um, commenting on these issues, then I, I think it's a thing that's that's worth thinking about. Is hey, you're being shaped by a story, but is that story coming from God or is it coming from the surrounding culture? So. See, that's what I was trying to say, Abby. That was it. You know, that's what he said. <laughs> I know, right? Well, I mean, I think it's just easy to to get sucked into. Like, yeah. yeah. I mean, just this week, someone was like, should I get the vaccine? And right. I immediately was like, you know what? I've got three articles you should read. And then I've also <laughs> been considering this. And like, I sent all that. And then like, something just went off in my brain. And I was like, Abby, what are you doing? And I was like, actually... I think that God will take care of you either way. You should pray about it and decide what to do for yourself. And, you know, if, if it's, you know, he'll either like sh shut the door and you won't be able to find a place to get a vaccination or he'll be with you. And maybe it's a poison and yet God could totally protect you from it. You know, like we should trust God, like True. we should do our best 
and maybe right. read those articles. But <laughs> I, but I think like I, that I was like so surprised in myself, like that it took me like three mm. responses mm. before mm. I like got to Jesus, which was really sad. <laughs> yeah. Well, so, this it can happen quick. Yeah, this segment is all about faith and culture. And that's one of the big issues that we're up against. Again, it's not a new issue, but I do think that the intensity of it is perhaps at an all-time high. Are we being shaped by the stories that our culture wants us to keep front and center? And again, someone's telling the story. So it's these, these things are not um, accidental. So I'm not saying that there's some master... Um, brain out there that's like pumping out these stories i'm just saying that that different parts <laughs> of our culture want us there, there's there's a lot of um promotion that's going on all the time from different sides and only a a mind that's been renewed by scripture is going to be able to navigate those uh, faithfully so well, guys, that's um, that's our show for this week. Uh, we hope it's been encouraging to you. Again, the whole the whole thing that we're trying to do with End of the Harvest is to take the profound and hopefully make it more practical. So discipleship is is the most exciting, challenging thing that we can do in our lives to follow Jesus faithfully in a world that either denies him or is actively uh, working against him. Um, if, if you can build your life around living faithfully for him, then uh, that's the most challenging, exciting thing that you can do. And we hope that this show can help you identify those, those issues, those pitfalls, and also give you some, some practical tools and encouragement for how to do that. So uh, Abigail and Lakeith, thanks for being with us um, today and offering your wisdom. We'll be back in a couple of weeks, guys. <laughs> talk to you yeah, then. See you then. See ya. Bye. Thanks for being part of our community. If you find this podcast valuable, there are many ways you can support it. You can review it on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you happen to listen to it. You can share it on social media with your friends, or you can support it directly by visiting our website, intotheharvest.org, clicking on the donate link and becoming a monthly giving partner. When you do this, you'll receive a thank you package with some great ITH gear. Thank you for supporting the show and helping our small team make a big difference for Jesus. It's listeners like you that make this ministry possible.